Hey guys and gals, welcome back to the audio version of the 100% Wild Podcast. And this week, I'm in studio with Matt Drury again, and our guest is Dan Perez of Whitetail Properties. And Dan helps us answer a listener question in this one about the benefits of leasing ground, as well as when and how purchasing land might also be a good fit. So if you've ever wondered about leasing or buying hunting land, this will be a great episode for you. So stick around and enjoy. All right, welcome back to another episode of the 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Mark Kenyon of Wired to Hunt. I'm back with Matt Drury of Drury Outdoors. Hello, hello. And we have a return guest. We we? do. Yes, I'm excited because when we had this guest on, we were talking food plots and hunting. And now this time we're going to talk about something that, as well as he knows those subjects, he really knows the, the next subject, I think. So, Without further ado, we have Dan Perez of Whitetail Properties back with us today. Hello. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this because I think, you know, Mark Kenyon here and I have talked a lot about we're in a sim- similar situation. We're, you know, both in our 30s and we're getting, oh, you're 29 not, still. Uh, you're almost to your 30s. Okay. <laughs> don't, so, don't get me that. Don't age don't me Don't kick yet. you into the next <laughs> curve next. But so we're close to the point where we want to start thinking about buying land. All right, but we have mortgages, we have other obligations, and, you know, how do you get to the point where you just kind of take the leap of faith and that financial leap? Obviously, it's a big one to bite off, and we want to get into that, but first, I think the question of the day we have today, kind of, it's it's the point that, it's the starting point for a lot of people, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, we've got a, we've got a question about leases, which are something that both Matt and I, we both have leases right now. And um, I think there's a lot of benefits to those. And I think that's what this question's about. So what we're going to be curious to hear from you, Dan, about is is some of your thoughts maybe on that. And we can share some of our perspectives of where we are right now as, as leasers. But then also, you know, how do you take that next step? When's the right time to take the right step? Who are the right people to take that yeah. right step? How to do it? There's so many questions all around that. And I, I struggle with this a lot. Like we were just driving back from an Iowa shed hunting trip like a week or two ago, a friend and I, and we sat there just debating, well, is it smarter for us to keep leasing and, you know, only spend, you know, a couple grand a year or something, and we could probably get enough of a hunting area, but, or do we invest in, in buying land because that'd be incredible, but then we're thinking about the amount of money, and it's this, this constant debate, and so many people I think are out there like me who have that dream, but it, it does kind of seem far out there, and so we're in this kind of no man's land. Um, and I, I don't know. And isn't that even like you, you guys' tagline at Whitetail Properties, like the original American dream? Or isn't that something – is it something like that, Dan? It is. It is the original American dream. Yeah. That's what we've always wanted, all of us. You yeah. Know? So I guess without further ado, maybe we just get right to that yeah, question. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, guys. My name is Sean Furbrush with the American Hunting Lease Association. I am new to your podcast but have enjoyed what I've heard so far. Uh, scrolling through the topics of other podcasts, I don't see anything where hunting leases have been discussed much. Um, I know the jury's uh, lease, or I, I believe just from watching 13 that Matt does uh, at the lease. So um, I just wanted to uh, kind of suggest that maybe you take up a topic of leasing someday, hunting leases, where they started, uh, how simple they can be, how beneficial they can be, not just to the hunters, but to the landowners. And of course, how they actually do a really nice job of keeping quality habitat in its natural state. So, Dan, 
Can you speak a little bit to that? Can you? Can you, I know in the past, Whitetail Properties has, I believe, partnered uh, to some degree with some leasing companies too. And maybe you've got experience with people who who have leased and, and have moved to land ownership. Um, can you speak to that at all? What maybe some of the pros and cons of leasing versus land ownership may or may not be? Absolutely. Let, let me let me walk you through my the my evolution. Um, there was a time uh, where there there weren't any leasing. I mean, leases, I mean, necessarily people would let you hunt, you know? So in fact, they were, they would hug you because they, they were too many deer. And uh, a lot of these folks are farmers and there was not a, there was not a value placed on, on hunting. I remember when hunting was not cool. I mean, I mean, the guys that, that hunted were, were not necessarily the end crowd and there were certainly no women hunting. What's was really, really neat is how many gals are hunting now. And, uh, it, uh, it, it has changed quite a bit. Uh, so, so when I started knocking on doors and, and people were not receptive anymore as, as far as, as, as allowing you to hunt, of course, the lease was the next direction uh, for me. And, uh, it, you know, I've had leases uh, as simple as a handshake, and then I've had some that were five pages. But um, the important thing is that, uh, that you respect the land, as a hunter, that you respect the land. And that uh, that you respect the neighbors. Uh, that's that's from from my from my end, you know. And having a um, a relationship with the landowner, in, in that uh, there's a clear understanding, either in in, in writing in the in black and white, uh, or a clear understanding uh, verbally, um, as as to what and when. You know, there, here's some horror stories. I sh- I share with you some horror stories. I leased this ground. I couldn't wait till the November to hunt it. And November comes and uh, uh, he lets the cows in the silage and the whole field's full of, of cattle. I mean, just, just loaded with cattle. So there, there goes uh, all, all the leftover corn from the harvest and, uh, and, and it just destroys the hunting opportunities. Or it's, it's uh, early in the morning, uh, conditions are perfect. And all of a sudden, I hear a chainsaw kick up, and the landowner is cutting locust trees. And and the reason is those he doesn't know that those are bad or if it hurts hunting. Most of the a lot of the landowners they they don't hunt, and so th- these are things that have to be they have to be um, talked through. You know, I mean, you go in with the right. Uh, you know, in business, it's an operating agreement. In in the woods, it's a lease agreement. It's 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 an understanding of what you can do and what the landowner can do because you have rights uh, when you lease that property you have rights as well um so it's it's important that you you're a good tenant i mean if if you if you want to come back and lease again you know here's the flip side i've had guys say you know that that landowner turned around and leased it out from under us to somebody else that happens but in most cases excuse me in most cases, if you're a really good tenant, I mean, you're the guy that uh, that does everything right. You lock those gates behind you. You you visit with the landowner. You let them know when you're there. You let them know when you're gone. You do little things for them. Uh, you'll 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 be a tenant forever. At least at the very least, he 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 would tell you, uh, I'm going to need some more money, and I'm considering uh, putting it out there for bid. At least he'll tell you, but I've I've heard stories where they just lease the ground out from under them, you know. So so it's it's a two way street, um, but it's a very good way for the guys that uh, you know they don't have a, 
down payment for to own property. I mean, in my mind, it's the next best thing. Um, so, so a lease is a good thing. You know, we talked about this one other episode with Cuz Strickland a little bit about lease, leasing ground and leaving it, you know, in, in good shape. And you got to treat it, if you're leasing it, you got to treat it like you own it, right? And if you're doing something on it that you shouldn't be, you know, if you owned that, how would you feel about it? You know, so you kind of always got to put yourself in, in the owner's shoes. But, you know, they don't have typically, if they're leasing their ground out, they usually don't have any idea what it takes as a hunter to manage your herd and to hunt whitetails. I mean, it's very specific way that you need to plant your food plots and that you need to access your ground and that the intrusion, you know, cause every farmer says, ah, that, 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 that truck doesn't bother them. That four wheeler doesn't bother right. them. They see it all the time. Oh, they, they stay out there. They come back. Well, you know, they might be right. Maybe the does do that or but does the mature buck, you know, so it is a different mentality. And, and, I know that um, I've worked with the Hunting Lease Network uh, a few times now, and we got to a point where we started having the farmer at the beginning of the lease year every year actually write out what his plans were for that upcoming season because we had instances where the season got there and they may have been doing something that, you know, the landowner that, that didn't quite jive. Like like you said, maybe it's they're timbering the, you know, the, the best – habitat or whatever you know or cutting out the fences and uh, you know all, or all the locusts around the fences they're just cutting out habitat and it got to a point where it's like all right in this specific case it's like all right if we're going to continue on and we're going to spend the money we need to know what your plans are before we spend that money with you and you know it's just you got to go into it being smart right like you said dan it's a business it is a business agreement more or less so you better even on a handshake deal i mean you gotta you gotta talk to the guy and know what you're getting into because they may have completely altogether different plans and that have nothing to do with hunting and you know if, if it's a farmer usually the the biggest thing on their mind is how they can farm more of their land mm-hmm. right you know like how can they utilize the property they have to make more money i mean that's their that's their business so you you got to really watch that and that's i think as somebody that leases and probably you're in the same boat that's one thing that drives me to one day you know dream to have my own actual land that you have all the control over because you see this it's like all right i'd have that in warm season grasses i would not have cattle i wouldn't you know but it's not yours so you're stuck to a certain degree yeah that's the biggest thing for me is is i always dream about the work i could do on a Mm -hmm. property i just sit there and i'm like oh i would love to do some timber stand improvement here. Oh, it'd be great to improve this bedding or like you said, plant some warm season grasses or put a food plot on this ridge. Yeah. And I just sit and fantasize about all that all the time. But <laughs> plant you know, corn and leave it standing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Anything is even as simple as that. But it's you know, it, for me, when I'm thinking through this, it seems it's like a financial thing. Like I'm saying, okay, I can afford a couple, you know, whatever however many dollars it is now this year to handle this lease i can afford that now and the next year that seems like a small enough amount of money i can handle that now um but i wonder if and and dan i think you can probably tell me is that short term focus wrong i mean am i making a mistake by investing you know so many thousands of dollars every year in a lease that i'm not actually it's not an investment you know i'm never going to become an owner i'm never going to get anything out of that i'm just kind of renting that use that year um, at what point does it go from, yeah, that's smart because, you know, your current income, you can't afford a farm. At what point does it go from that to 
really you should be investing into something that you can someday turn around and, and sell if you need to or enjoy as a landowner. I mean, wh- when do you make that shift? That's a good question. Let, let me back up to uh, what, what, what you said a second ago, uh, and then I'll go forward. Uh, you, you had mentioned, um, I think, maybe I lost train of thought, but I think you mentioned um, having the money to 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 put into a, uh, the purchase of land where leasing would be easier. And I, I, I was fortunate in that uh, my dad, uh, he grew up, um, he, he went through, uh, he grew up through the, De- the Great Depression. And uh, so he instilled uh, values in me and, and direction that, that most, uh, for sure, a lot of people growing up today in this economy uh, would, would never even think of, you know, would ever look at things that way. Uh, between you and me, I have a hard time paying for uh, cable TV or satellite because I'm never going to get nothing back. It's just like I watch the show Big Deal. You know, you, you've got my money. I've got nothing. And uh, it's, it's, it's just a different way of looking at things. You know, um, we, we kind of a lot of folks that say they can't uh, figure out a way. To, to buy a new car when they can make the one they got last another year or two. Uh, a lot of folks just say that they can't. They, they, they buy a bass boat when, when there's no return on that bass boat. It's a hole in the water sometimes to throw money. A lot of enjoyment. Don't get me wrong if you're a bass fisherman. Don't, don't put bad things about me. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a lot of things that, that offer no return. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm like everybody else. Uh, I try to put away uh, in paper investments as well through 401ks and, and different things. And, and I have had, I have lost a, a ton of money uh, just like this, that fast in a volatile market where, where what I grew over the last three years just went down to nothing. And I got to start all over again. Now, on the flip side, I have, lo- I have owned land uh, since I was 21 years old. And uh, one way or another, I own land. And I have never not only lost a dime, ever, never lost a dime, but I've made tons of money on land. And I've, I've made money on every property I've ever had. Um, so, so I, and I, I like to uh, just share a little bit about my life. I, uh, when, I was, when, when I was 21, I was married, we were married very young. And I was 21, and I remember uh, my first property. And, and if you don't know what a contract for deed is, uh, look into it because many times people um, <clears throat> they want income uh, and they want a return on their income. So you might be able to get a contract for deed. Someone may give you a contract for deed where they're making six percent, but the down payment is minimal, very small down payment. Sometimes no down payment, and uh, and so you make the payments. And when you satisfy that uh, that note, you get the deed. And it's, it's, it's a cool way to, uh, while you're making these payments, while you're enjoying that land, you're, you're actually growing in appreciation. That land is growing in appreciation. And there's a part of appreciation that's really, really cool about land. And I call it forced appreciation because you could put up a fence, uh, clean up the, the property, 
maybe put a food plot in, maybe maybe make you a little road, not even something that costs a lot, just a little road going in and out. Instantly, you, you appreciated that the value of that property. You forced the appreciation. Now, the reason I share that with you is because you can't do that with a mutual fund. You can't do that with a stock. You can't do that with a bond. You cannot do anything but cross your fingers and hope that that doesn't lose value and that it goes up in value. You know, So that from that standpoint, land is awesome. So I'll go back to that first purchase that, that I made. Um, it was five acres. And um, it, five acres was enormous for me. I mean, it was like all of a sudden, dude, my wife and I, we own trees. We own dirt. We own everything that's on it. And and I, I literally, man, I, I love the smell of dirt. I love uh, the crunching of leaves when an animal's walking through the woods. I love every aspect of, of nature and land. And uh, we would go there. Uh, we'd sit there on a log. We'd bring lunch and we'd just look at our land. And, and we'd walk around on that property. And it was just like so, so exciting for, for two kids, basically 31. We were kids. And, uh, and so here's the deal, that land, um, it, it made me, and you know, at that time in my life, that was a lot of money. When I sold that land, um, I made after, after taxes, I look at everything after not taxes, but interest and, and taxes. I, I made 30 grand, I made 30 grand and I enjoyed the heck out of it. That was my first lesson in life. Uh, but before I actually sold that property, uh, two years later, I had bought another property on the same way. It was a contract for deed. It was on the Steenahatchee River in Steenahatchee, Florida. And uh, if you go to Steenahatchee, Florida right now, it isn't the Steenahatchee, Florida that, that when we bought land. Steenahatchee, Florida is just an awesome getaway for people with a lot of money, just all kinds of beautiful buildings and things going on. It, 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 Steenahatchee River goes out into the Gulf of Mexico, and I, I could launch a boat from there and go into the Gulf and fish and hunt, and it was it was crazy. And I made a I made a lot of money on the Steenahatchee property, uh, but you know what was a lot of fun, and I, I believe I'm a steward of the land first. You know, a lot of people don't know this about me. They think, oh, Dan's he's just a deer hunter. Uh, I'm a steward of the land first. I love, you know, you were talking about improving the property. Um, that's what I love. I mean, and that's where if you lease a ground, I don't think the landowner's going to be too happy if you go in there and hinge hunt, hinge, hinge cut 300 trees. Mm -hmm. And I, I've, I've hinge cut 300 trees. I've done all kinds of stuff. And those days where I work the hardest, I'm the happiest. It's there's something about it, you know. But it, it, that Steenahatchee River, we would go there and uh, we'd have a cookout and we'd clear. I remember it took us a long time to clear the uh, the brush and trees so we have a better view of the river. And uh, we were just there working, and my son, Danny, was just a little baby, and he's running around. And, I mean, it was, it was good times, man. And so since then, uh, I've owned a, a lot of properties, and I've done some really creative things. Uh, but I've owned, I've, I've bought, and I've sold, and, and through it all, there's, there's been nothing uh, more uh, exciting in my life. Like if you're buying a piece of land. Uh, you may have a lot of things going, but there's nothing more exciting than that property that you're buying. There's nothing. Uh, and, and, you know, and I say that so a lot of people will scold about thinking investment and not thinking spending. If you put away a little money, uh, just make it a habit of putting away a little money. You don't, you don't own that money. You don't touch that money until you can invest it. Do not spend it. You, you will be able to buy properties. But I'll give you a, an example of once you – once you start understanding a little bit more about what to look for, how, how to purchase ground, you'll realize that the ground 
uh, can very easily pay for itself. You don't pay nothing. And not only do you have appreciation when you sell that property, but while you're while you own it, uh, not only are you having a great time, you're growing deer, you're hunting, you're enjoying it, everything that you dreamed of, but that property is uh, can actually be making money while you own it. Now, I'll give you an example. I just bought a piece in, in Iowa. Um, it's in northwest Iowa. And so it had tillable acres on it, and it had uh, part of the properties in CRP, and part of it is, is timber. Uh, so, so we looked into the programs FSA has right now um, that would do two things that would perhaps make it better habitat and, uh, and, and would uh, up the rent. Uh, so the tillable was bringing $165 an acre. Not bad. Uh, looking at it, it was a two and a half percent return on the CRP and on the tillable on the property. Um, we were able to negotiate a deal with a landowner where <clears throat> he's going to roll it into the tillable, uh, sign the contract now so it rolls into uh, this new pollinator program in 2018. So that pollinator program, I made sure I qualified for it, and, and so that was a condition uh, or a uh, contingency of the purchase that I can. I can have that in this program and that I qualify for it. And so this pollinator program now went from $165 an acre to $279 an acre uh, on the uh, on the return. Nice. And so I, I went from, uh, I think, from 2.5% to 4, 4.57%. And then uh, I've got a few years, i got three years left on the remaining CRP that's on there, which is, is way under market value right now as far as what CRP is paying. And uh, so in talking to the lady from FS, uh, she feels confident that when I roll that into uh, a new program, uh, that uh, it, it will be a minimum of, of $225 an acre, and what it's bringing now is roughly around 150 an acre on the CRP. So when it's all said and done, I'll make 5.5%, and it'll be just awesome whitetail habitat. And uh, and so I, and from that point forward, I don't have to negotiate a deal with a farmer every year, every two years, or even worry whether he can make me the payment or not, you know? Yeah. Um, and it so, pays for itself, the taxes, and then the, you know, that's the cool part about it. Oh, I know. Yeah, here's, here's there's two more kickers I'll, I'll share with you. So I'm borrowing the money at 4.15%, 4.15. And, uh, and, and, and I'm making, I'm going to be making 5.5%. That's a no-brainer. I'm making money on their money. I haven't even, you know, and meanwhile, I'm having a blast. Yeah. And then uh, I, I promise you what I've done to the habitat, when I sell it, I'm going to make a bunch of money when that happens, you know. Uh, and, and uh we put a camera out there, uh, and, and in two weeks, I had 700, I mean, 7,900 images. So wow. there's a lot of critters to boot. When, when we're done improving the habitat, it'll be phenomenal. Now, this pollinator program, there's several mixes. Uh, as far as what they're after is we're losing bees. You go out there in the clover fields, and there's not bees like there used to be. There's, there's butterflies pollinating, you know, so they want to bring back the bees. So there's going to be a lot of flowers, but there's mixes that have quite a quite a bit of warm season grass, uh, just different types of grasses that provide really good uh, habitat as well. Uh, that's just one of the many different things that you could do to make money. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. But the, the, the kicker is if you don't have a down payment uh, to do right now and you want to invest in land right now and you say, I, I could afford a payment of this, but I don't have a down payment, 
be thinking about and approaching people with a contract for deed. It's, a, it's an awesome thing. Many times, like I say, especially older people, they don't want a lump sum of money. They want a, a, a steady income at a good return. And if you, uh, if, if you seem like you're a good, a really good risk, uh, they'll, they'll do it. It's not a hard sale. Um, now the flip side is this, you better make your payment because, uh, foreclosure is very easy for them, a little more difficult, uh, through a bank. So, so you make your payment. That's, that's, so basically that's the, that's the you kind of find a, somebody that's, you know, that, that you, you know, has a little money and they're investing in you and the risk for them is if you don't make your payment, really, they have a reward, right? They can they they get it's all they get the property. Or is it that they already own the property and you're slowly purchasing it from them? I guess that's what yes. I'm it's, it, you've got a contract, and, and the only way that they can they can take the truck the property away from you is if you don't pay them. And most of the time, it's it's sixty days. <clears throat> you get sixty days behind with them, and, and they have that. So so know your situation. I, I I'll give you an example. Uh, your, your dad bought a piece of property uh, there in Dutch Creek, and <clears throat> I know the owner. He did not want a conventional loan. He didn't want a lump sum of money. He liked the deferred plan. So uh, that's what he worked. That's what he worked with your dad was a, a contract for deed there on Dutch Creek. Oh, it, wow. it, and that's the only way that he would sell that property. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. So Dan, what about um, people in my generation, millennials? A lot of us have tremendous amounts of student loans. You hear about this all the time. Um, a lot of student loan debt. We got these college degrees, which are supposed to help us out a lot. And no then, job. <laughs> and then uh, some of those people have struggled to find a job or whatever. It might be pay off that student loan debt in the years following the recession and everything. So for somebody like that, maybe that has now a, a, a good, solid job and they love to be a landowner someday, but right now they're still weighed down by that student loan they're working on. For that guy or girl, um, does investing in land make sense in that kind of situation, or do you just got to get rid of all that debt first before you should be thinking about anything like that at all? Well, if, if is Mr. Millennial, if you uh, if you would consider a lease, you know, if you if you had money left over for a lease, <clears throat> then you you should consider a purchase, even if it's a small one. Okay, so basically, if you have enough disposable income to spend on something like that you're saying and then that could be just as well used to make some type of small investment i guess yes that makes sense. especially i tell you what i'll give you another uh what works out really good if you're on a lease with several guys you know that seems pretty pretty common sometimes guys will they'll they'll uh, even go into a lease as an llc they'll form an llc where they have one payment going in and, and they, these guys uh, all share and they have some some other advantages but uh if you uh and that same LLC can purchase ground, or you have several guys together, and they're not part of an LLC. They're just throwing their money in the hat. They're 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 leasing ground. Uh, in many cases, depending on the situation, uh, when you consider that there's a lot of income. I mean, deer, for example, they're edge animals. There's a lot of opportunity sometimes for income. Uh, <clears throat> so, it, it, very often you could purchase a piece of property and end up really with no payment, you know? Um, and, and the fact that there's several of you on that lease, um, your down payment t uh, individually would be far less depending on, on how many and how much ground. It's a pretty interesting approach. You, you just better be <clears throat> comfortable with those people. 
You know, because it's yeah. amazing what little, like, you know, you think you're best friends or whatever, but you would sure want a pretty black and white contract back to your really original point for the lease. Uh, you get in a situation like that, you don't want business to affect friendship because, it, I mean, people get a little, you know, they can get a little weird when it comes to owning something. And so, you know, you may have ideas of what you want to do to the property and they may not agree with it. So you definitely would want to be on the same page going into it. But that's it's a good point because it's a good way to pool your resources together to be able to get that down payment to, you know, purchase whatever, 50 acres, 100 acres, whatever. But, boy, at that point, you, you know, you got to be sure you got the right group of people. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, I agree. Yeah. So we, we talked a little bit about um, – you mentioned some examples in your case of this property you bought where there are some different ways to make it a little bit more financially um, doable given the income you can make off of that. But uh, could you just kind of walk us through the, the basic starting point for someone like me or, or Matt, um, how to find a situation like that where it can be financially feasible to get started in land ownership? You've touched on a few things, but maybe from a higher level, kind of here's steps one, two, three, four of how Matt can start working on his first piece of property. You bet. So, so here's a typical scenario. You know, you're thinking about ground, and uh, so you Google hunting land uh, for sale, and then uh, in in um, wherever that is in in Iowa, wide open, or in Illinois, just stay wide open, or if you wanted to say in uh, Northwest Iowa, whatever it is, uh, and then you'll you'll get you know, a lot, lot of references to go to. And then you'll end up on some websites and, and you'll, you'll look at the different properties. Uh, <clears throat> read the descriptions of the properties. Find the property that fits what you're looking for the most and seems like it's the most uh, obtainable. In other words, your budget might be a 40-acre track, might be 20-acre track, might be 100 acres. It, it, that you'll know. But, but you, 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 you look for that criteria. I look for ways... After I find that property that in that area that I'm interested in, I'm more interested in an area than I am the uh, specific property um, because there are some areas that uh, have a history of, of producing good animals. <clears throat> when that happens, it's either because there's no pressure or because it's managed very well and uh, or uh, the just tremendous genetics. All of it is good. So. It's like, um, you know, that people that talk about flipping houses, they talk about buying the least desirable house in a very desirable neighborhood and then improving it. Uh, and that's what I love to do. I love to find what might be considered the least desirable, least desirable in that uh, maybe it's just a rundown cattle farm. The pasture just looks horrible and uh, <clears throat> lacks water and it lacks a lot of a lot of things, you know. And so that's the property that I could buy the the best and uh, and that property there uh, may not have income uh, but that might be a, a great starter property to buy improve and flip that may not be your first property I'm, I'm gonna give you a couple different scenarios that may not be your first property that may be the one that you improve and sell and then buy the property that you want because the equity that you that you grew and just improving it that's amazing how that how that works another another uh, scenario is that you find that property and then you figure out uh, what it consists of what the income already is and how you can improve it I, I've sold a lot of properties where in between 
or even during the time that I'm showing the property. And, and I understand that person's budget. Um, and the, the rent on that property is, the cash rent on that property is 165. For example, I used before 150, whatever it is, 200. And then I, I shop that price for my client like crazy. And, uh, and I've gotten it up from 150 to, to close to 300, believe it or not. And, and, and one of the reasons is sometimes the, uh, the landowner gets very comfortable with the tenant. And it's almost like insurance. If you don't check that insurance as far as your premiums, um, your premiums will keep going up. And, and if you if you checked them and kept them honest, you may be surprised how much you'd save on your insurance premium. You know, so so it, it's that relationship that that uh, the rents go up, but yours is not going up. So I shop these, and, and I find that this is footwork that you could do yourself if you don't have an agent. Uh, or rely on, on a really good land specialist uh, to do this for you. And they'll, they'll, and before you know it, I mean, if you, if you check everything, and you may be an investor, it may not be your dream property to hunt. Maybe you're just an investor. Well, then figure in leasing that hunting out to someone else. You know, you lease the hunting, you, you, you've got the income from the crops or the income from the CRP program or whatever it was, whatever it is. But see, that's the difference. I, I enjoy doing that stuff. I'll sit there and I'll crunch numbers for days. And when it all comes together and I see it clearly, there's a, a ha-ha moment, you know. And so, but you got to, that, that's, that's part of it, you know, is, 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 is you got to work every angle. You, you just get a little creative. Sometimes it's amazing what's there and you, and you just don't see it at face value. I've seen the, this, the, the side of this that he's talking about with Mark and Terry for years and years and it always amazes me. And, and knowing guys like Jeff Probst, who's a Whitetail Properties agent, and, you know, he's very, very good at what he does. And it's almost like there's a, there's a select group of guys, not a select group, there's a, a big group of guys that, that it's just investments. You, you know what I mean? Obviously, doing what we do, they also, you know, use it as recreational hunting and, and that type of thing. But it is an investment to their next property and to the next property. And they keep rolling it over and in. And they find these pieces that need a little work and they go and put the sweat equity into it put a little bit of money into it effort and it's amazing the return they get on their investment and you know it's like it's almost like they're they're a little group you know and they 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 let each other know a deal's coming up and it's amazing to see what it turns into because you know everybody start started somewhere start somewhere and a lot of the guys that have the big farms they have now started with smaller farms way back in the day so it's interesting you always look for the next big deal or a deal in general and um you know it it seems like there's not a ton of them out there anymore because you know i know that's probably false but it just seems like if something comes up for sale and it's a good deal it's gobbled up like that you you know what i mean yeah Yeah, you know and that's that's what i was getting at though is is some of those deals like if if the property i just bought if it would have said 4.57% return, it would have gone five seconds. Yeah. But it's 2.5%. I, I did the footwork. Mm-hmm. You know, I did the legwork and going directly to FSA uh, and, and the NRCS office and researching all these things, you know. And uh, and that's that's where the deals are is, is if they say it, it won't last long. I mean, it'll go really fast. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but if, if you – and see, the more that you do, the, the sharper that you get. And here's the sharp part of it. A lot of legwork, uh, one of our land spe- specialists, uh, Garrett Armstrong, 
he's he's over in Iowa. Uh, he did for me. We've got I think 168 agents right now. We call them land specialists. But if you look on our website and you read the profile of one land specialist, maybe it's Jeff Probst, and you go to the next, and maybe it's Gabe Adair, uh, or maybe it's Tom McFarland, whoever it is, you read their profiles, and it, the names may change, but the profile is the same. These guys love uh, serving the customer, and, and, and they love land. You know, So uh, when you've got a guy like that working for you, that's what makes it easy. You, you know, you, you could, we have, these guys serve as buyer's agents as well. And you say, hey, okay, Jeff, uh, this is what I want. This is what I'm looking for. This, this is what I hope to achieve and turn them loose. You, you know I mean? You've got mm -hmm. nothing to, to lose in, in a, in a short time. He'll bring you several properties to consider and show you how it will pay, uh, for a large percentage or all of the payment, you know? So it's, it doesn't happen every day like this property that I just bought. It took me a little while to find. Uh, the good thing is I enjoy looking for them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of cool. And, and there's nothing that I enjoy more than working on them. When you when you find that property and you work on it, and every every drop of sweat that that, that reaches the ground is like joy. It's 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 a very for me it's a very cool feeling. I want that feeling. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> that's, that's, I do too. And I, it's I mean, the next step. You know it is, right? It but, is. And, and every time I, I hear Dan talk about this, I'm like, oh man, Mark, you know you got to do something yeah. like this. And intellectually, it makes all the sense in the world. And it's like, it's just like I need to like get the guts or like the confidence to do it. But it's still like it's one of those like scary things a little bit for you know taking that leap. And I think to Dan's point. Uh, when you have someone who can help you through that process, like a land specialist, an agent, whatever it might yeah. be, um, especially someone who's got that kind of experience, that seems very helpful because I certainly couldn't do something like this on my own without having that first person experience. And um, agreed, it's like buying your first home or buying you know yeah. your first car and and not knowing anything about what you're getting into. It's just a, a daunting task, really. Yeah. But as in anything, you just gotta do it if you want it you just gotta do it that's yeah. a, that's where i'm i'm that part right before just <laughs> right right and, and, and to the to the original question i mean there certainly is a place for leases for some people mm -hmm. like like in our situation yeah. maybe yeah. where we're just not quite ready there i mean there there are benefits to that and um there certainly are some places where you, you still can get hunting access for free, which is great. Yep. It allows people to get out there, and there's public land. And that's I think all these different things are, are the right thing for different people in different circumstances. Um, but as long as one way or another we can get people out there hunting and in the outdoors and enjoying it, that's a good thing. And I'm glad there's people like Dan who can help those of us that are ready to take that next step you know, to help us do that because that's not easy or finding a lease. That's not easy. No, we both talked about that's a challenge yeah. too. Yeah. And there's um, services there too that help you like know. hunting lease networks. I know drop time leases is another one. I'm sure there's a bunch more. This guy's that, that yep. the question of the day, he mentioned, something. he mentioned one that he's a part of. So there, there are services out there that can help you. You know, sometimes I know your method is the not research and knock <laughs> yeah. on door method, which was probably the, the only method back in, in the day that I'm sure Dan can attest to that. So, um, but there are services out there you can use. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to your point for me, for, for my lease, it was, uh, it was a, just talk to a lot of people type deal where I just kept talking to, I actually was talking to real estate agents and lease networks and different people just asking around, Hey, do you happen to know of anything? Do you happen to know of anything? And over the course of years, I just kept that kind of feeler out there. And finally someone did. Yeah. Um, but 
but all these things take work, whether it be buying land, finding a yeah. lease, getting access to something for free, Keeping learning public lease. land. I mean, <laughs> all that stuff takes work and dedication to it. Yeah. If you really want it, there's ways to make it happen. Yeah, I, I think uh, if you've never done any of it, I think a lease is a good starting point. Because for me, like I've always had the opportunity, obviously, to hunt dad's place. And, you know, being that he does this at the level that he does it, you know, he's, he, he, you know, he's up there a lot. He's got a farm hand that helps him a lot. And so by the time I got there, the work was done, you know, so by getting a lease and getting my hands dirty for the first time, like it just, it makes you feel a lot different about the overall aspect of hunting and being out there and right. like the enjoyment of it and to dance point, like the sweat and, you know, when you, when your food plots grow, like it's oh I did this, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not that you sat in someone else's spot, you know, it's just, it's very re- rewarding. So I can only imagine uh, what owning a piece is like, but if anything else, you know, even a lease is a great starting point to yeah. get that feeling. Well, I, I certainly hope here in the next year or two or few, Mm-hmm. You and me will be able to get back on here someday and, and be able to tell stories of how we figured it out and got our first piece. I agree. It'll probably be because of the type of information you've been sharing, Dan. So thank you so much. You're always a wealth of information. Absolutely. Thank you. I enjoyed being here. But let me share one more tidbit. This is just advice. Start small. If you're worried about that first piece, and I'll give you an example. This is weird, but I've sold one. I've sold several pieces many times, but this was 20 acres it's, it's uh, near the town of Barrie uh, in Pike County, and uh, I've sold it six times. <laughs> uh, uh, but here's the, here's the thing is, is that each one of those was their first, except for one. One of them was not his first property. Each one of those was their first farm. They didn't really realize what they had because um, in, the, in the six times that I sold it, there were, there were booners killed, and there was one buck that scored 207 inches on a 20 acre parcel of land and what it was huge amount of timber on this side huge timber on this side creek runs across and with timber on either side of the creek and all this 20 acres consists of was that creek that connected the two bodies of timber there's two big bodies of timber and they killed like and the trail cameras man just giant bucks is unbelievable but that was the starting point for each one of these guys, except for one of them, that bridged their equity in that property into the next property. And uh, and here's the thing. The deer that they were killing through all this became the prospectus of that investment. Yeah, It, it, was, it was pretty cool. When you could show somebody, this is 20 acres, yeah, I get it. But uh, here's a 207-inch animal that was killed. Here's another booner that was killed. I mean, the value goes up. Yeah. You know? And you can throw those appraisals away. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Thank you for Very sharing true. that. Very yeah. true. Well, yeah, thank you, Dan, so much for being here with us, for sharing all this. Lots of great information. Um, for people that want to learn more about what you're doing and your land specialist and everything you mentioned, where, where can they go online to find that? Um, www.whitetailproperties.com. At any one time, we'll have 2,000 listings on that and 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 every price range and every every area we're right now we're in uh, i think we're doing business in 24 states and uh we have roughly um i think with the ones that we've committed to already we've got about 170 agents now they're not agents they're land specialists and they're they're hand-picked these guys we don't hire everybody that walks in the door in fact there's a screening process that's se- second to none when we hire them they they are the best 
in that area. They are the best. I think I know about six or seven of those guys at least, and that they're all, you know, yeah. they, they know their they know their stuff. Yeah, I, I know quite a few as well, and they're all first class, top of the line so, guys. Uh, yeah, very very helpful people. So, well, thank you, Dan. Thank you. Matt, thank you everyone listening and viewing. Uh, a few quick reminders for those of you out there viewing and listening. If you'd like to subscribe to future episodes of the podcast on the audio side, you can go to iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. And if you'd like to send in a question of your own for us to answer on a future episode, you can go over to wiredtohunt.com slash 100% wild. As always, you can check us out. The, the video version of this podcast is on the Drury Outdoors YouTube channel. Uh, when you're there, we have all kinds of original hunts, never seen before anywhere. A lot of the hunts that used to go on our DVDs, now that we're not doing DVDs, we're putting out for the first time ever only on YouTube. So it's a pretty cool deal. So check us out there. And, uh, of course, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, as always, DruryOutdoors.com. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Peace.